we're good. Okay. I just got the okay from uh, my technical producer, so we are on. Here we go. Um, so uh, welcome to the last week in our series entitled Hooked. Uh, so far, what we've talked about is the kingdom net. The first week talked about spreading the kingdom net. And then last week, we talked about the invitation to follow Christ. The, the disciples' response, that immediate, like Jesus said, follow me, and they dropped their nets and went. What does that look like for us? And we know that the kingdom net represents the gospel, and that the invitation is meant for all of us. As fishers of people and followers of Christ, we ultimately want everyone to get hooked. As the Apostle Paul says to his young apprentice, Timothy, he says, God, and I'm paraphrasing a bit here, God desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And if God wants all people to be saved, then what does that mean for all of us? All of us fishermen as we follow Christ. How far will the journey take us and how committed are we to spreading the net out to the furthest reaches of humanity? As we wrap up our series, I'm really excited because this week we're going to tackle these questions. I'm going to leave you with some awesome encouragement straight from the mouth of Jesus himself. One of the final instructions that Jesus gave to his disciples was to receive the power of the Holy Spirit and to allow that power to help them be witnesses for him all over the earth. When we go fishing for people, we don't stop in just our neighborhood. The power of the Spirit of God enables us to the very ends of the earth with a deep desire to see people get hooked on Christ. So let me pray for us and we'll get started today. Lord, simply ask this. Give us the courage and the faith to spread the kingdom net and to share the gospel with those close to us, those near to us, and those far from us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amazingly, if you notice, if you're up on your Gospels, okay, Jesus told the first disciples that it was better for him to leave them than to stay and minister with them. In the Gospel of John, Jesus is recorded as saying, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now that sounds counterintuitive, doesn't it? Maybe just to me, but I, you know, it, it reminds me of the times growing up in my life when I would hear from like one of my parents or my teachers or somebody, some other adult, they would say, this is for your own good. Right? Remember that? That was always a tough sell. Here's another one, because I'm really, I'm into phrases, okay, but here's another one that I used to hear a lot. You'll thank me later. Really? I'll thank you later? I mean, because if it was obvious, I'd thank you right now, okay? But that's what it seems like Jesus is doing here, right? It just, 
Those kind of statements never seem true on the surface. But as we now know, Jesus was referring to the Holy Spirit. In our main passage for the day today, Jesus elaborates further about this divine helper that the disciples were to receive. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus is saying that the Spirit will empower them to be witnesses. And that, that word, witness, it, it conveys this idea that the disciples will be able to give testimony of Jesus to others. And, and not just a few people, but literally to Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. They, they will minister to others close to them, near to them, and then far from them. The, the kingdom net is, is well able to stretch that far to the very ends of the earth where every last person needs to hear the gospel invitation. If you're familiar with the accounts in the books of Acts, in the book of Acts, you, you know that this is exactly what they did. They, they took these, these marching orders, if you will, literally. And, and as you read on through the book of Acts, you see the beginning in Acts 1 through 7 of them building the, the core church in Jerusalem. And then we see in, in Acts 8 through 12, them moving on out to Judea and Samaria. Finally, Acts 13 through 28 corresponds to the ends of the earth, the missionary journeys of, of Paul and his team. For, for those first disciples, Jerusalem, that would have been their city. And it would have included their, their neighbors. It would have included their, their local bakery, their butcher, their banker, right? Their, their favorite barista. I mean, you know, everything, right? This, this is highly likely the place where most of their families and their immediate and even distant relatives, we use that term with the air quotes there, lived because people seldom traveled or moved away from their family. In those days, it tended to stay closer to each other. It was, it was more personal there in the beginning. It was, it was a personal call to, to bear Jesus Christ, to bear witness to him, to perhaps the most difficult audience, the ones that you grew up with, the ones that you are closest to, the ones who know your past, the ones who've, who've seen you in, in every facet and every flavor of your life, right? But it started there. In that immediate, personal area around these disciples where they began to bear witness to Christ. So, so think about your family. Think about your neighbors. Think about your favorite barista, your favorite coffee shop, right? Think about your, your local grocery store, etc., 
etc. Right? When you when you think about those who are close to you, these are the people in your immediate sphere of influence, and these are the first places where you can think of spreading the net and extending the gospel invitation. It it is a tough crowd because they know you, but they also know you, which means they trust you. So, so there are pluses and minuses. But, but think about that. And then, and then Judea and Samaria, these were neighboring cities and neighboring people groups. These, these people were a day's journey, maybe more or less, away from Jerusalem. This is the level of people who are near to you that need a gospel invitation. Okay, think about the places that you go when you travel, okay? For, um, or, or think about domestic missions, those kind of trips that, you, that you've served on. Think about nonprofit groups in, in your community. Think about um, areas in neighboring cities outside of our own or causes important to you. If, if you can't personally be involved... Because there's only so much that each person can do. Then how can you support these groups in their efforts? Can you commit to giving? Can you commit to prayer? And finally, the ends of the earth. That's representative of people who are way, way out of our normal reach. We're talking different countries, different continents, different ethnic groups, languages, Various other barriers that are, that are there. These, these are people who also need a gospel invitation. These are people who you and I have already been empowered to witness to. It might not be face to face. But it could be through some international mission group or nonprofit like Operation Christmas Child. We partner with a couple named Jeff and Leslie Van Vactor here at Hope Community Church. We've done that for, for years. And the Van Vactors are missionaries in Honduras. And so through our ability to help them financially, we are able to assist in what they're doing in spreading the gospel and showing the love of Christ. Well outside of our own neighborhood. But, but even, even closer to that, okay, um, we have John and, and Sarah Burkett. John was here. He's probably running around with, with uh, Sadie right now. But John and Sarah are helping to teach ESL, um, English as a second language, at our sister church, River Oaks. And that is to bless members of the community that are, are dealing with trying to overcome a language barrier, helping them to, to understand the gospel through that as well. It's a way to, to bless others. Adrian and, and Valerie Muller oversee divorce care. We meet every Tuesday night here at the church. We're helping people who are hurting, people who are grieving, people who are going through a, a struggle in their lives right now. And and we are seeing it's it's this is my first go around, but we're we're seeing change. All right, we're, we're seeing um, uh, uh, one person who, who came the first week who was so quiet, I wasn't even sure that person could speak at all. And then last Tuesday, 
made us homemade chili and dessert and brought everything to us. And, and, and it was like, you know, we ate well. Right? And, and <laughs> he, can, he can testify, right? We did. We ate well. But, but we're, we're seeing change. We're seeing the love of Christ reaching people who are hurting in our community. It doesn't have to just be right here. It doesn't have to just look like a vanilla sort of, hey, I have my Bible handy. Can I just read you this you know, passage? And, and that. It's, it's more about what we do. Remember last week we talked about the difference between being just a student of the gospel and being somebody who doesn't just know about Jesus but knows Jesus and, and walks that out. Now here's one that I found out about this, this past summer. This is an opportunity that uh, my wife Angie and I are now uh, getting involved with and, and doing. It was so easy, I couldn't say no. It's called the 12-verse uh, challenge. I'm going to pop this thing up here. That is a web address if you're analog like me and you have a pen and you want to write that one down, okay, or I can send it to you. But, but let me explain what it is. There are 11 Bible translation groups the big ones, and they've all come together as a big giant team, like a Pro Bowl kind of thing of, of Bible translators, okay? And, and they've recognized that currently there are 3,700 languages or language groups that do not have a Bible in their primary language. you believe that in this day and age? There are over 2,000 groups that don't have a single word of Scripture in their native tongue. What was the first act of the Holy Spirit, this other helper that Jesus just talked about in Acts chapter 2? Remember when, when Pentecost, the flames came down and all of a sudden the language barriers were gone. And people heard the gospel in their own language. So how does this thing work? Well, this 12-verse challenge, it's, it's $35 a month, all right? $35 a month. You can't go out to eat for $35. Uh, at least I can. I eat a lot, okay? But still, $35 a month for 12 months. It's a 12-month commitment. And in that span of, of 12 months, for $35 a month, okay, you can pay to have one verse translated can you imagine wait that's enough i'm sorry it's enough money to translate 12 verses 12 verses of scripture into one language so can you imagine if if every family at hope community church agreed to do just that just that can you imagine if every church in blunt county had a family that would commit to do that Forget Blunt County. How about Broadway? You know how many churches I pass when I'm driving down Broadway? If, if every church on this street, every family that attended chose to just do $35 a month, we could spread the word of God to all these places, all these people groups that have never heard the gospel because it's not in their language. That's spreading the kingdom net. You know, we're, 
we have so many different opportunities and some that appeal to us and some that appeal more to others and people get fired up about them and that's why God created us the way he created us. You know, we're all so very different in our passions and causes that, that move us to action. So maybe you have another cause and that's okay. All right, maybe you have another passion. Pursue that. Our differences are beautiful. And they're God-given. But it's, it's also important to remember that we have the same goal. Right? We all participate in the spreading of the gospel net. That is the goal. Have you ever thought that life would be so much easier if everyone were just like you? I have never thought that. Because the more I know me, the more I know how frightening the world would be if everyone was like me, right? Maybe you've had the opposite revelation, which I have had many times. Life, life would be so bland or scary, shall I say, if everyone were exactly the same, wouldn't they? It would just be, huh, what's the point? I know what he's thinking, it's what I'm thinking, right? I know what she's going to say because it's what I'm going to say. No. Whatever you think, diversity is a reality. I was watching that video of those kids. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to cry. I'm, I'm, you know, it's, it's, the, it's that old school guy training. Went, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. Because once you start, you know, <laughs> right? Be a man. Suck it up. Here we go. But, but the joy on those children's faces and all those children holding hands with each other. The two kids that were sitting together and the one had his head on the other one's shoulder and they were, they were reading about Jesus together. All of them, so different. And diversity is, is beautiful. It's a reality. It's, and it's not a small thing. It's a God-ordained thing. It's a God-designed thing. It's a, it's a fact of life. It's a, it's a fact that was designed to be a blessing, not a curse. You look differently than others. You think differently than others. You feel differently than others. I tell people, especially kids, all the time this important truth, okay? There is only one, insert name here, that God ever made. And that's true even if you are an identical twin when I was a little kid, most of you know I'm a twin. I'm a fraternal twin. My brother is the handsome one, okay? But um, when we were growing up in Buffalo, there were seven sets of twins on our street. So there were fraternals, there were identicals. I mean, it was a madhouse, all right? I mean, there were just twins everywhere, right? So, but even the identical twins that we knew really well were extremely different people. Because it doesn't matter. This is just the casing, right? This is the gift wrapping, people, okay? That's all this is. So diversity comes from in here, and God did that on purpose. He made us all unique and different and wonderful. And it's all for the glory of him. Well, listen to what Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, 
but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Same goal, different passions, same goal. The Lord is working in and through our diversity, and all of it is for the common good. Of course, this good includes things like loving others, things like forgiveness, reconciliation, justice, service. But the primary goal of all believers is to spread the kingdom net. It's to share the gospel invitation with others. Part of our diversity is our unique gifting and ability to be a part of God's plan. Here's the um, Apostle Paul again, okay, he, this time in the book of Romans in probably my favorite biblical analogy ever. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. I love the body analogy. It just makes me smile. It is so perfect. I mean, if you deal with any insecurity personally, and I am the king of insecurity, okay? Your identity in Christ or your part in church, you may look at yourself and go, I'm the pinky toe. I've done that. I am that. Okay? I'm the pinky toe. Then I had somebody tell me that, you know what? The body needs the pinky toe. Helps you balance. Oh. Okay. That's not so bad then. Right? Whatever your gifting is, do it to the best of your ability. It's all needed and it's all necessary in the kingdom. And frankly, if we're going to spread the kingdom net to the furthest reaches of humanity, then we're going to need everyone. With all of our diverse gifts and abilities involved. Everyone. Every tool in the toolbox. The job is just too big and too difficult for any one of us to try and accomplish alone. In fact, without each other, we really don't stand a chance I know of many pastors and ministry workers who have burned themselves out trying to do everything alone, trying to be a one-man band or a one-woman band. It doesn't work. And the good news is, is that we have each other, and we have Christ. Amen. He isn't going anywhere, although he did say he was going. But as the Gospel of Matthew comes to a close, Jesus gives the disciples some very specific instructions. Throughout history, the, the section I'm referring to has been known as the Great Commission. We're all familiar with it. And in it, Jesus gives the disciples some parting instructions. 
which interestingly sound a lot like much of what we've been talking about for these past few weeks in this series. Here's what he said. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus tells the group of disciples, many of whom are the very same fishermen that he turned into fishers of men. These very same people to essentially spread the kingdom net, extend the gospel invitation, make disciples of all nations to the very ends of the earth. I want you to always hold in your hearts that image of that dragnet that's thrown into the sea it just grabs on to everything. It does not care if it's a seashell or a you know, shellfish or a fish or what color fish or whatever it is. Just grab it all and bring it out. Because who sorts it? That's not our job. That is not what we are called to do. He tells these people, these very same fishermen, that fact. He reminds them Come on, you've been doing this for a living your whole lives. This is what you've got to do now. Take the proverbial net and go. This has been and continues to be the message of Christ. To those people, to these people, to all of us, to his church. And, and what I love about this passage from Matthew 28 is how he ends it. Because he says to them, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. See, I won't be here physically with you anymore. I have to go so that the other helper can come, the Holy Spirit, because he'll be with you. And he and I are the same. He will be with you to the end of the age. He doesn't have the bodily, physical limitations that Jesus the Son has while he's here on earth. He's in you. He's a part of you. He lives in you. So in, instead of kicking us out of the proverbial nest and hoping that we're just going to make it on our own, Jesus commits to traveling with us. And it, it's not just for a moment or just for a week or till we get our you know, feet under us or, or whatever it is. It's eternity to the end of the age. In other words, I'm in it to win it. I'm here, okay? You're not going to get rid of me. You can't shake me at this point. I'm here. He's with us for better or for worse. All the way to the end. What an amazing promise. I mean, from a king, from our God. I don't know of a king more devoted to his people than Jesus was. So when he says, go make disciples. When he sends the spirit to empower us. And when he promises to be with us until the end. I don't know about you, but I'm hooked. 
pun intended. I'm ready to walk off the boat. I'm ready to drop the nets. I'm ready to run after Christ. I know it's not going to be easy. He told me that. And, and I can't promise you any different. I'm not going to lie to you. But I can tell you it's the greatest adventure that you're ever going to go on. It'll take you places you only dreamed of. It'll make you feel all the feels, as the kids say. The mountaintops and the valley lows, all of it for the glory of God. So if you're committed to spreading the kingdom net and extending the gospel invitation, if you're committed to those close to you, near to you, and far from you, then let's pray. I'm going to invite Robert to come up. Lord, we're committed. We're committed to do what you've called us to do. Our part in spreading the kingdom net. Whatever that looks like, God, however you've wired us to do, would you show us how to best use how you made us, who we are, to introduce those who don't know you to you? God, would you give us a passion to put aside our own selfishness and to pursue you and to glorify your kingdom? We pray all of this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Wow, what a great word from David today. Let's uh, everybody give him a hand. week I want you to well starting right now as you leave today I want those words to be echoing how great is our God how great and mighty and powerful is our God and that he loves us so much he's going to let us come into the kitchen with him and try to make something that's not a total disaster we can serve him by spreading the kingdom net amen, amen. amen. so have a great week God bless you